Good morning, and once again, happy Sabbath. I'm so glad that each of you have chosen to come this morning. For those of you that are here, and glad that those of you who are watching are watching online this morning. I was born in what is now Washington Adventist Hospital. Back then it was called Washington Sanitarium and Hospital, and taken home to some apartments called Kent Village Apartments in Landover, Maryland, about nine miles from the White House. Don't remember too much about that apartment complex because before I turned one, my parents had moved. They bought a brand new house in a little place called Carrollton, just three or four miles away from Kent Village. And I do have some memories from that place. I remember my bedroom. It was down the hall, the last room on the right. I remember the windows in there, looking out the windows. And I remember my older brother used to be able to go outside after lunch, and I had to take a nap. So I used to be really frustrated looking out the window from my bunk bed. I could see out the window and seeing him and all the rest of the kids playing outside, and I was supposed to be in taking a nap. And it's interesting the things you remember when you're little. I do remember my friends. In our subdivision, all of our backyards backed up together. There weren't any fences, and so there was just this space out back that all of us gathered in. And And my parents tell me this story about I used to come out after my nap time and announce to the world, here I am, everybody. Some of you are laughing like nothing ever changes. I remember the ice cream truck going around the neighborhood with a little little, uh, string that you pulled and all the little bells would ring and we'd all run and get our ice cream. I also remember the big red bug spray truck. It would announce its siren siren periodically in the evenings during the summer months, and in terror, we would run to the houses because we had no idea what would happen to us if we happened to be left out in the neighborhood when the spray came across the lawn. All that happened before I was four, because at age four, my parents moved again, another eight or ten miles away to a little town called Burtonsville. Maple Hill Road, it was an older house, two-story with a basement. They needed a little larger house because my younger brother had come along just a month or two before. Had a detached garage with a dirt floor. I remember the big heat grate in the center hallway that was our central heat. (laughs) Actually, the room said radiators. I remember my experience with uh, being introduced to the moat man. I don't know if any of you ever have heard of the milkman, but it used to be the case that milk was delivered to the houses. And I remember waking up early one morning needing to go to the bathroom. And as I came back to go to bed, I saw a man out on our front porch, and it petrified me. Later found out it was just the milkman delivering the milk. We lived on a dirt road, dirt driveway. My mom loved flowers. And so she planted many gardens around her house. And we had a huge piece of property. It was an acre. And an acre back when you're four years old was enormous. It's absolutely huge. As a teenager, I saw that in a little bit different perspective as I began cutting that grass. Originally, believe it or not, some of you may remember it, but the big wheels on the side with the scissor blades that were powered only by my arms and my legs... The wheels would power the scissor blades and would cut the grass, and that was my first grass-cutting experience. 
I remember the day we got a power mower, and that was just awesome. At age 14, my dad worked for National Security Agency, and he was, he was selected to attend the Air War College in Montgomery, Alabama. That beat the other option. I'm not sure what the schooling was, but it was Stuttgart, Germany. So I was at least thankful that it was still in the United States. But at age 14, thinking about moving to a new location, leaving all of my friends that I had ever known, at least beyond four years old, and starting over in a new place where I knew absolutely no one at 14 was a very, very daunting experience for me. We moved from Montgomery County, Maryland, which was among the top three school systems in the country, to Montgomery County, Alabama, which was not in the top three in the country. As a result, I, as a ninth grader, I couldn't, I couldn't go to any math or science or foreign language classes that I had not already taken in Maryland. So in the mornings, I would attend Robert E. Lee High School, where I attended a senior French class, a biology class, and, uh, and a math class, a geometry class. Then I had to go across the street because there were still some required classes that I had to take. I had to take Alabama history and English and PE at the junior high school. So I was a pariah. I was an anomaly attending both schools. My French class back then, I used to have hair. And my hair had a tinge of red to it, and so my senior classmates got to calling me Carrot Top. In junior high, across the street, in my Alabama history class, there was a real cute girl that sat next to me, and her name was Eva. And thankfully, her last name was Sutherland. And so she got to calling me Cuz, and that was great, because it, it introduced me to a lot of her friends and a lot of the, and it helped me assimilate into the society because as her cousin, uh, it was, it made life easier. I learned a lot of things from Eva, like terms like y'all and bless your heart. We lived in a subdivision in Montgomery and made great friends in that subdivision over that year that we were there. We were actually there 10 months. We used to gather together underneath the streetlight in the evenings and just talk for hours, and it was awesome, and we became really close. And I learned at age 15 that there was only one thing worse than moving from Montgomery County, Maryland, to Montgomery County, Alabama, and that was moving back. Because when I moved back, I knew that I would never see those people again. Because back in those days, travel wasn't easy, money wasn't easy, and you couldn't even, it wasn't like you could FaceTime or any of that kind of stuff. And so that was a very, real struggle for me at age 15 to move back. Back in Maryland again, we were at the same house. We'd leased it out for a year, and over the next several years, we paved the garage floor, we paved the driveway, and paved Maple Hill Road. We built an addition on the house, put up a basketball goal, and I still got to mow the lawn. And that's where mom and dad remained for 55 years until they sold the house just three years ago. At age 23, I married and moved to Collegedale. And then at age 24, moved to Gentry, Arkansas. When I moved to Collegedale, I thought I'd reached the end of the world. 
When I moved to Arkansas, I found out I was mistaken. <laughs> we really thought gentry was the end of the earth. But now we tell people we live in paradise. And we love it. Since moving to Arkansas, we initially moved into a duplex. Then that sold, so we had to move again. We moved into a duplex on campus at Ozark Academy. Lived there for a little while until we bought our first house in Gentry. Lived there for six years and then moved back to a duplex in Salem Springs while we were building our current house. And it's hard to believe that that's been almost 30 years ago. Most of you have experienced similar journeys. The cities and the street names may be different, but you can relate to the emotional impact that change has on our lives. And I've just talked about the physical changes, just geography. There are many other changes that impact our lives in a variety of ways. All change is challenging. Even the good changes bring challenges with them. I moved to Maple Hill Road, even though it was a bigger house. I remember the first time staring through the rose bushes which separated our property from our neighbors, staring at the little kids on the other side of the rose bushes that would become our neighbors and how terrifying that experience was. Moved to Montgomery, leaving behind all of my childhood friends was very challenging. And I've already mentioned the move back was even worse. The move to Arkansas to the end of the earth, well, when we got here, they almost literally rolled up the streets at 5 o'clock p.m. And for some of you that haven't lived here very long, in Salem Springs, there was absolutely nothing on the east end of town on 412. And when I say almost nothing, I mean nothing. Jonathan Barnett built in the late 70s a building which became the Western Sizzlin, which some of you who may have lived here for a long time may remember that building. It has since burned down. It was near where Kenny's is today. But that was it. That was all that was there. There was no Walmart, no Lowe's, no restaurants, no gas stations, no shopping centers. When I say nothing... There was nothing there. Of course, since 1982, all of that has changed. So why this emphasis on change? Well, we are living in a time of unprecedented change in our world today. The pandemic, we've talked about it. We've talked about it several months now. And we're seeing significant uptick in Arkansas in case count and in deaths. In Arkansas, we've seen 176 deaths. In the U.S., 116,000. In the world, 428,000 deaths and climbing at a very high pace. Masks and social distancing, physical distancing, I should say. Physical distancing have become a part of our everyday lives. And it may be years, if ever, that we go back to the way life was, exactly the way we knew it before the pandemic hit. Thinking about after 9-11, the world changed and never went back. Air travel is different. The way we see war has changed. The lives we live have forever been changed 
by that event. Race relations in our country and around the world. As this issue comes more and more to the forefront, protests and riots are breaking out, not just in the U.S., but literally all over the world. People are resonating with this cause. In Northwest Arkansas, we are not immune, as just this past week, there have been several events which have occurred close by. Just this morning, my older brother Steve texted me a picture of the high school that we attended in Montgomery, Alabama, Robert E. Lee High School. He texted me a picture of the building that was taken this week and asked the question, what's missing? Of course, my immediate response was us. But then as I looked at the picture, I recognized that the place that the statue used to be of Robert E. Lee is now gone taken down by protesters earlier this week. Right or wrong, take the rightness and wrongness of that action out, it's very likely that the name of that school will change in the near future from Robert E. Lee High School. And that has an emotional impact on me because that was my high school. And whether the name is right or wrong, it still has an emotional impact when the name changes. Change is coming And change will be with us for a long time moving forward. And so as the Compass teaching team has gathered together and has discussed what we should be doing as we get back on track with the normal teaching schedule, we've been talking about this. We've recognized that as we talk about change, we're also talking about its very close cousin, grief. With change, it is very common to experience grief. We grieve the loss of the way that things used to be, the lives that we used to live, the things as they used to be. Parts of old jobs, old houses, old cars. Man, I wish my 1980, I missed my 1962 Volkswagen. Parts of it. Boyfriends, girlfriends, etc. There are so many things that as things change, we grieve certain aspects of the loss of the way things used to be. And so as the teaching team talked about change, talked about grief, we agreed that over the next five weeks, we would talk about the five stages of grief. And what better story to illustrate the five stages than the Exodus story. Think about the changes that occurred in the book of Exodus for the people living out that story. They moved from being slaves to becoming free, from stable housing to wanderers in the desert. They changed from answering to Pharaoh in Egypt to answering to Moses and God. They changed from being protected by no one to being protected by a pillar of cloud and fire, from not keeping the Sabbath to being Sabbath keepers. These were huge changes for those people. And we see in the story of the Exodus, the five stages of grief being vividly acted out in numerous circumstances. Denial, anger, 
bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And so for the next five weeks, we are going to be using the Exodus story, snapshots of Exodus as a study of change and grief. And we hope to find application in these stories to the changing landscape of our lives today. As I mentioned last week, the pandemic and race relations are not the only changes on the horizon for our Compass family. We're also considering a change in venue. This would become venue number six for us, following the Gentry Youth Center, OAA Auditorium, Boys Dorm Chapel, Old Elementary School, and now the Bank Building. For more than a year now, we've recognized that we've had some needs that are being unmet by this building. Worship space. We have 150 chairs set up, and it's not uncommon for us to be at least at 80% of that capacity. And books you read on church growth and, and seating will tell you that you will not grow beyond 80% of your seating capacity. And we saw us grow to that place very quickly after we moved to the bank building and stabilized, and we've not grown since. Kids space. When we had the building next door, we regularly had 15 or 20 young kids coming to Sabbath school. And when we lost the use of that building, we lost the kids. So the kids have diminished. Even our youth need a lot more space, and we're losing our youth because we have nowhere for our youth to gather. And the third, the third need that we've had unmet has been bathrooms. We know we've had a need for bathrooms for a number of years here, and we just haven't been able to resolve that. So even given those needs, we really have not been actively looking to resolve those outside of this building. And part of that is because we've had a past history of looking and we know what things cost around here. Last time we looked at venues before moving to the bank building, there were so many out there that we looked at that we just simply could not afford. But then one day, several weeks ago, about six weeks ago, I got a phone call. Greg, there's this property on the market that you really need to consider. The conditions are right and the price is right. You really need to think about it. My first reaction, in all honesty, I had absolutely no interest. Why? Because I'm averse to change. I don't like change. Change is work. Change is hard. Change is emotional. Change takes time. No, not interested. I also recognize human nature. And I know that some of you will object to moving for intellectual reasons. You just don't think this is a good idea. And some of you will have an emotional response. I just don't like this idea. And some of you will have a personal response and say, I just don't like you. <laughs> and so for those reasons, I just didn't rush out there and become interested. 
But then a few weeks later, another phone call. Greg, you really need to come look. At least come look. All right. What can it hurt to go look? At the same time, I should also remind you, or at least tell you, that we had a five-year lease. We have a five-year lease on this building. And that building, that lease expires this September. So I don't think that Jonathan would kick us out. Jonathan has just, he has just been such a blessing to us, and I do not believe he would. But I also know that he has an opportunity to lease this space for significantly more money than we're paying him today. And so that has to enter our thinking as we think about whether we want to look for a new venue or not. So I felt like we should at least consider other options. And so I went and I looked. And then our board went and looked. And then our core team went and looked. And let me spend just a couple minutes describing what we are seeing. What we're looking at is the old Salem Springs Bible Church property on the corner of 412 and State Line Road. It's on just shy of three acres. There are three buildings on the piece of property, all of different dates of completion. One building is two stories, has four rooms in it. The second building is the old church, which is now partitioned off into smaller rooms, but still fairly large spaces. But that building needs a lot of work. And the third building is the Quonset Hut. Now, the Quonset Hut is the large space that they are currently or were currently using as their worship center. And we could fit all of Compass current operations into that one building today. And to be honest, it does not have great curb appeal. At least to me, it doesn't. You drive up to it, you drive past it, you look at it, and it's not something that just invites you in like the bank building does. It's not as nice as the bank building, but it's not as bad as the old elementary school building. It's probably somewhere in between. But it does solve our three pressing needs very, very easily. The seating capacity of that Quonset hut is about 350. The seating capacity in the bank building is about 150, significantly larger. It does have large spaces for kids and youth, and you will love the bathrooms. It has two very good-sized bathrooms with multiple stalls in each bathroom, and each bathroom has a shower in it. As a bonus... It has a very large kitchen. We've asked them if they would be interested in leasing this or renting it, kind of like we're doing here, and they're not. They do not want to rent the building. They want to sell it. The price is right. The price that, they, that we have been talking to them about is about 59% of their original asking price. That would make our monthly payment just over what we are paying today. And there are lots of options with the 412 road frontage. In our Compass experience, there have been so many times that I felt like God's leading has been crystal clear. We believe this is one of those times. 
An example of why we believe this comes from a Zoom call that Amy and I had with their selling team at the Bible Church. The Bible Church has known that Jonathan Barnett has been negotiating with them on the sale of their building for some time now. But they thought that it was just for him to develop and resell. When they announced at prayer meeting on Wednesday night that Compass was a potential buyer, spontaneous applause erupted. So now we're at a place where we are asking for feedback from all of you. Tomorrow from 3 to 5, there will be an open house, well, open church, actually, at the Bible, at the Solemn Springs Bible Church. Please come and look and share your opinions with us. And so the Exodus story continues, not only in our teaching series, but as we consider a move to venue number six in the life of Compass. And as we together consider what God has in store for us, I am reminded of one of my favorite Bible passages found in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. In closing, I would like to share a little teaser video clip that Larry created to advertise the open house tomorrow. It will be linked on our Facebook page and emailed to those for whom we have addresses. Please take a look and feel free to share with others. In the Exodus story, the Israelites were led by a pillar of cloud and fire and had the waters part for them. Today, we will have to settle for following a dirty blue Subaru and having the traffic lights turn green for us. Let's take a look. Hey guys, it's hard to believe, but we've been here almost five years and our lease is up. So it appears like we are going to be moving, but we've learned that where God closes one door, he opens another. So come with me and let's check what's behind the other door. So this appears to be the place that God is leading us. God has led us to a place that solves our three problems of worship space, kids space, and bathrooms. And if you want to see more detail, come out and take a look for yourself Sunday afternoon between 3 and 5 o'clock p.m. We are so blessed. Come take a look. So for the next several weeks, here's what Compass looks like. For the next five weeks, we will be live streaming on YouTube, and if we can get our technical difficulties worked out, we will also be live streaming on Facebook, but right now for sure on YouTube. We will be conducting the five-week series, Snapshots in Exodus, a study of grief and change, and we will be switching our morning meds from Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to just Wednesday. So the morning meds will be Wednesday meds with Chaplain Phil. So excited about that. And we would invite all of you to continue praying for our pandemic, for race relations, and for our future home. Let's pray. Loving Father, we are very grateful for the way that you've led us in the past. And it is only as we reflect upon your mindfulness and your interest in us and the way that you've led us in the past that gives us 
a confidence in where you're moving us into the future. And Lord, we just ask that we will be open and receptive to the guiding of your will. Bless each person that is here today and also living, listening online. And also bless our other members that have not found us online, Father. Be with us wherever we are. May your Holy Spirit rest upon us and give us a Sabbath day's blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.